God bless you as you give. I want to mention uh, a couple of things to you. We started this morning something, we started something up that we had done in years past. In our uh, 925 prayer meeting, um, you, you know, when you, when you sense the atmosphere like what you sensed it earlier, that doesn't just happen. That, that gets prayed for. That gets prayed for. In our, uh, our 925 prayer meeting this morning, we were already sensing that the Holy Spirit wanted to do some things. Well, one of the things that comes out of that prayer meeting is that the Holy Spirit will start talking to us about what he wants to do in this, uh, in this 10 o'clock service. And uh, so there, there were things that we're going to pray for at the end that I want to mention to you. These are, uh, these are words of knowledge uh, that the Holy Spirit spoken. And at 11, uh, I'm going to shoot for 11.15, but I'm running low on time, but that's okay. I'll do my best. Um, some of you know that doesn't mean much. Um, that, that's like weak, but as Bernie would say, weak sauce. That's weak sauce, Pastor Ken. Um, okay, there's someone here today who's struggling with depression. You feel like your mind is shrouded in darkness. Jesus wants to restore your joy. Boy, I, I heard that word earlier, didn't you? Um, his, son, uh, his son wants to work to shine his light within, and he has healing in his wings. So uh, that word is for you. Uh, some people, this, this one is kind of correlates. Emotional burdens are too heavy uh, to carry. Bring them to the cross. He's bigger than any addiction. Amen. Uh, some haven't, uh, uh, haven't liked the gift that the Father has given, and they've uh, stopped or never used that gift, not knowing that on the other side of that gift is the gift that will set them free. Um, and I'm going to be talking about gifts today, so I think that's uh, right on track. Uh, for someone that, uh, that hates God, he will stop the bleeding. He loves you so much more than you could ever hate him. And uh, these are, this, this one has a, a transition in it from loneliness to gathering, scales fall off, and victory song. So, uh, you know, I love when the Lord just gives us what we need uh, to move forward, right? Uh, well, in the message today, um, you should have the notes. If, if you don't have a set of notes right around you, uh, you can also look it up on version, uh, the version event, lighthouseva.life. If you just go to event, it'll pop up on your screen, and the notes are there. They're also going to be on the screen up front. Um, I want to talk to you today about what I consider to be the three most powerful words in all of the Bible. The three most powerful words in all of the Bible. I would arm wrestle you to uh, see if you could come up with three more powerful words, but I think these are the three most powerful words uh, because they have to do with us and our response to what God has done in our lives. And those three words are found right here in this text. So uh, I'm not going to make you to stand. We've been standing for a while. But uh, if you will, read the scripture with me out loud today. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And let's say this out loud with our best preaching voices. You ready? You didn't know you had one. Get your best preaching voice on. Okay, get your best holler at the kids. They're about to cross the road voice. You ready? Okay. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Praise God. 
Now, I want to, did you see the three most powerful words? Did you see it? They were right there in that text. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did it, did it pop out to you? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Here are the three most important words, I believe, in the entire Bible. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Why would you say that, Pastor Ken? Those are kind of innocuous words. They, themselves, separated by the word devoted. Why would those be the most, most important words, most powerful words? What about all the, the things that God has done on behalf of his people? What about the sacrifice of Christ? We're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in a couple of weeks. We already did today, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. And, uh, but but we're, what, what about all of that God stuff? All of the God stuff in the world does not matter unless there are people who will devote themselves. All of the marriage licenses in the world are just paper. Unless there is a devotion of a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband. Are you with me? Do you understand that's where the power is? That's where, that's where the life is. That's where the exchange takes place. That's where covenant is found. They devoted themselves. So today as we look into this, I want to talk to you about the church I see is a living body. The church I see is a living body. All of us go through seasons in our lives. If you are alive, you go through changes. You go through seasons. We laugh about those or we cry about those. I prefer to laugh. But I, I, I got into a conversation a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, it happened twice this past week. But anybody that is, that is on the other side of 40 knows what's, what I'm about to say. Before I was 40, I could eat anything I wanted. After 40, it seems to hang around more. Whatever I eat. Just doesn't go away. Before I was 40, I could, I could jump, I could run, I could do all. In my mind, I can still do all those things. But my body says, not today, big boy. Right? And so I had this conversation this past week. So, and, and, and you know, I'm 51, I'm going to be 52 in the not too distant future. And, and so I had this, this conversation. I hadn't seen somebody in a while, and, and we started having these conversations. Man, I tell you what, I used to, we were working and doing some stuff. Man, I tell you what, I used to be able to, it didn't bother me at all. Now I got this part's hurting and that part's hurting. You know, uh, when I, this is a, per, a true story. When I, uh, for 45 years, no need for glasses. None at all. Perfect sight. One day I woke up trying to read some innocuous text that I had to do for my graduate studies and everything just kind of went like that. And I was like, what's the deal? What's the deal? What's wrong with me? You know, yeah, welcome glasses. Right? It was 45, it's like three things uh, happened to me all in the same year. I had some kind of weird thing on my back that I had to have removed and, you know, and the other stuff going on. It's like, what is the deal? 45. To, to, to be alive means to go through change. Now, there's growth, right? We, we want our kids to grow up, don't we? You don't want them at 40 years old sitting around your table demanding whatever you're bringing out of the kitchen. That's wrong. 
Okay, somebody needed a word right then. Somebody needed a word. Okay, if they're still there, change the lock on the door. Move out and don't tell them where you moved. Wait till they go to Walmart. Wait, better yet, you'll have more time. Wait till they go to the DMV and then you, and you just pack up and move. You're joking because DMV here is not all that bad. Come on, it always looks worse than it is. You don't believe me, that's okay. I go into the DMV, I'm a faith man. I will get it done. I will be out of here in a half an hour. Yeah, and I just, you know, anyway. How'd I get on that? But when, when, when something is alive, it is growing and it is changing and, and things, uh, things have to happen. They have to be dynamic. And the church that I see, the church here at Lighthouse is a living body. It's not gonna be like it was last year. It's not gonna be like it was the year before. Why? We can't go back. Just like when you're, when you're 51, you can't be, go back and be 25. You can remember those seasons, but it's somebody else's day to be 25. So celebrate with them. Celebrate with them. Don't, don't say, stop doing that. You're doing it wrong. And it makes perfect sense in the season that they're in. You, you, you know, learning to walk in wisdom through the years, right? The church that I see is a living body. Now, the first thing that we see about this text is that they devoted themselves. This is Acts 2. This is right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that church was found in Jerusalem. And that church was a predominantly a Jewish church, right? So what does it look like when Jesus shows up and, uh, and, and people receive the Messiah in a Jewish context? Well, it looks very much like 12 tribes and 12 apostles who are voted in, uh, one, one that's voted in after Judas passes off the scene. And, and so they, they keep with this structure and that's the way it started out. And so they emphasize some things. I'm not going into, into the table, but there's a table there that you can look at and see what, it, what the church looked like the first century church. Now, understand something with me, that things in the Bible are either descriptive or they're prescriptive. If something's descriptive, the Bible is just saying this happened. If it's prescriptive, it's saying, do this. This is a prescribed way that you ought to live, right? Now, we want to take from Acts 2, we, we want to say, I've heard people say, well, we want to be like the first century church. We want to be like the first century church. No, you don't. Because if you're first century church, then you got to go to the temple. If you're first century church, you got to be a part of a synagogue. If first century church, you got to do everything that they did. You, you know, and there was there were a lot of things that you you really rejoice in the freedom for that you have right now. I.e., pulled pork. First century church had riots over pulled pork, had major issues over barbecue. You can't eat that. Why? First century church predominantly Jewish, had those overtones. They said, we don't know, we don't know if we're actually that free. But the, the further that the church came out of a Jewish context, the more freedom that they were able to embrace. And, and so, uh, so the early church, first century church, some things were, uh, in the scripture, some things were descriptive, these things happen, other things were prescriptive. But let me tell you what never goes away, devotion. Love never fails. Everything else is going to pass away. Love never fails. And so when it says they devoted themselves, they had the right stuff. They were doing the right stuff. What were they devoted to? It says that everyone was, uh, they were devoted to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were loyal as a community to one another. They, they looked after one another. Every, every church that I know of always traces everything back to the principles they can get out of this text. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism. Social care, that's in there too. All, all four, five of those elements should be found in every church today. They look at those principles and they say, this is what we base it on. And so they're saying, these things are not just descriptive, they're prescriptive. They devoted themselves. Say that out loud with me. They devoted themselves. Uh, so what were they devoted to? The, the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The first thing that you have, the first ministry you have, as a child of God, is the ministry of showing up. If you don't have the, if you haven't discovered the ministry of showing up, just show up. Here's what you do: just show up. I, I love. Uh, I, I got that line from Jimmy Bratcher, and Jimmy says it like this. He said, uh, he said one day when his son was saying, uh, "Dad, why we got to go to church all the time?" He said, "Son, because Jesus is where it's at, and we're all jacked up." So I'm going to keep going where Jesus is, and eventually he'll fix my jacked up. The ministry of showing up. I have people through the years, this happens periodically. I'll have people come in, and, and they'll show up for maybe a month, maybe uh, two months or something like that. And then, and then they, start to, they start to give me the shoulder a little bit, a little shoulder, a little cold shoulder there. I'm like, huh, what's going on with that? Well, you didn't ask us to do anything in ministry. Well, if you have to ask, if, if you have to be asked... Maybe, maybe the principle's wrong. You, 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 got this, you have a gift that is a subpoena of the Holy Spirit on your life to devote yourself to the living God who gave you the gift. What do you have that you did not receive? Use it. You don't have to be asked by the pastor. The pastor brought to be saying, whoa, 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 let me steer you a little bit, but whoa. Yeah, that's a great gift. Use it. You're devoted to God, and the way you show that devotion is to use how he has wired you up. Find a way to use that thing that God put in your life. He put it there for you to give him glory, for you to give him honor. You're not all going to be preachers. That's okay. You can preach with apple pie. I've known some excellent sermons that were done with an apple pie. Uh, Sister, uh, Sister Sh Sherry, uh, 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 Wayne and Sherry Lee, Sister Sherry Lee said that her mother, who is in her, her 90s, baked a pie every week for a lady across the street who was going through cancer treatment. And she said, I she said, I would bake my pie, and she said, I'd pray over that pie. Lord Jesus, let every bite minister to this woman and then she'd go over and then she'd sit down with her and she said hey I brought you a pie can I just pray with you and then next week another pie she said I believe the Lord is going to extend her days 90 years old still has a ministry baking a pie ministering to a neighbor whatever you do devote yourself to it with love do this thing that God has put on the inside of you to do. Why? Because you are communicating the love of Christ. They may, never, they may never stop and listen to a preacher. But if you'll take your gift 
and you'll honor Jesus with it. Devote yourself to it and say, I'm going to use this thing that God has given me. Everybody's got something that God has given them. And if you will use it for the honor and the glory of God, you never have to worry about comparing yourself among yourselves. Why? Because you're not going to stand there before Jesus with a bunch of people. You're going to stand there by yourself before Jesus. And he's going to say, what did you do with the field of endeavor that I gave you to grow? Well, Lord, I, I didn't have that preaching gift like, you know, like Jason Barton. I didn't have that preaching. I didn't have that evangelist gift. I didn't have this gift. I didn't, so I couldn't. No, 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 no. I gave you a voice. What'd you do with it? I, I gave you the skills to write something. What, what did you write? I gave you the ability to be in the moment and encourage somebody. I gave you a winning smile. What did you do with that? He's going to talk to you about the field of endeavor that he's given to you. And you need to say, I can point to all the times that I devoted myself to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Why do churches talk about food so much? Did you know that food is people glue? That disconnected people get connected through food. Who knew? The gift of hospitality, get, gathering people together, doing something human together. We all need, this is, food is essential to life, right? So we, we, we partake, and what are we doing? We're partaking of life. We're partaking of future together. And while we're eating, let's just go ahead and dream together. Let's just talk together. Let's bear one another's burdens at the same time. You get on the other side of that meal, and you feel refreshed, not because, you know, not, not because the apple pie was so awesome. I don't know why I'm hung up on apple pie. Um, <laughs> I don't need one, please don't send any. And, uh, but, but not because the food was so great, but because across the lines of fellowship and conversation, the Holy Spirit was lifting somebody's burden. So the Holy Spirit was releasing encouragement in that atmosphere. We know how to create the atmosphere where the Spirit of God can come and lift people and strengthen people. Use your gift to build up the fellowship. Use your gift to reach out and touch people that don't know Jesus. All it, it does, it's so simple, but we trip over it because we think we're supposed to do the big things. Can I tell you, you'll never do the big things unless you do the small things first. It always works that way. Jesus said, if you're faithful with the little, I'll, I'll make you ruler over much. It's the things you do in secret that nobody else knows that God says, okay, now it's time. We're going public. You're just serving faithfully, quietly in the background. Nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. And then all of a sudden, God says, it's time. You say, well, how did that happen? They were serving in secret and nobody knew. But then God breathed. God breathed on that. And, and, uh, and you know, things happened. Here's, here's how you know. Here's how you know that this is a church of devotion. Here's how you know. There's a sense of awe about when we come together. There's a sense that something supernatural is going to take place. We're alive, and we know we're alive because we have breath in our lungs, right? Humanly speaking. Are you alive? <sighs> Some of y'all will have to put a mirror under your nose and see if it steams. If it fogs, we know. We don't really know otherwise. Resp respiration is a sign of life, isn't it? 
It's a sign of life. When you come to the house of God, there ought to be this anticipation, this expectation that God is going to breathe upon his church, that the church is alive and breathing, and so there ought to be things that happen. And so in the early church, one of the signs that the Spirit of God was there is everyone was filled with awe. Were they impressed with the buildings they had? No. Were they impressed with their singing? No. Were they impressed because they had really cool lights? No. Everyone was filled with awe because of the presence of God. Everyone was filled with awe because when, oh, when, when we come together, man, somebody's going to get saved. When we come together, somebody is going to get healed. When we come together, somebody's going to get delivered. We are going to witness the activity of the Holy Spirit. When we come together and everybody comes in ready. Here's the difference. The church that's alive doesn't spend all week saying, oh, I can't wait to get church to church on Sunday. I'll get fed. And they come dragging in because they haven't eaten anything of the word all week long. The church that's alive said, man, I've been eating all week in the word. I've been praying all week and I can't wait to see so-and-so because the Holy Spirit's already given me some form. And I can't wait. It's coming and it's coming hot and I'm going to share it. I'm going to deliver it. And it's hot and, and they need that fresh bread. Somebody needs encouragement. So we, what do we do? We show up and we encourage, right? You can't come in half full and expect to overflow. That's called hypocrisy. When we come in and we're saying, oh, I'm going to overflow on everybody. You've been with Jesus all week? No. No. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. What are you devoted to? See, if, you're, if there's devotion, then there's a sense of awe, right? Can I tell you, just, it just breaks it down into habits. Let me just talk to you about your habits for a minute. Okay. I knew it would get quiet right but let me relate it to marriage. Holly and I will be married 30 years to the end of May. And, and uh, yeah, cheer for her. <laughs> she, she needs all the support she can get. <laughs> and, you know, one, one of the things that, that has been an encouragement to me is that we've found in our daily life the things that are life-giving, that those are the things that we devote ourselves to. And we devote ourselves to those things, and love just grows. And uh, I, I read a book some time ago, and it was talking about couples that stay together 50, 60, 70 years, that one of the things that's amazing about it is, as familiar as they are with one another, there's still this magnetic pull toward one another. It's a funny thing that the longer you're married, you can kind of like complete one another's sentences, can't you? You can kind of know that particular look. Sometimes it's a good one, sometimes it's not so good. You can, you can, it's like, okay, I'm going to walk out of this room quietly, act like I wasn't even here. You know, you, you know, you know certain things that are going on because you know that person so well. But one of the signs, one of the signatures of couples that stay together for long periods of time is that they learn to appreciate one another from afar. Like I can appreciate, uh, some, of y'all, some of y'all say, I want to take a vacation without him. I'll really appreciate him then. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Marriage counseling for you. 
No. So, so what I'm talking about is that you begin to see that person that you know so well, but you see them in a different, you see their interactions in a, in a unique way. You, you, you're able to see them with a different lens. There was a time in, in mine and Holly's life, it was early on, and she began teaching in uh, Gloucester Christian Academy. She taught, I think, third, fourth grade, I don't know what grade, I don't know what grades are relevant. But what, what happened was she came home and her pace of speech picked up. She would begin to talk to me. I'd say, how was your day? And she would just carry it. And, you know, as a guy, you're trying to like, okay, 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 okay. And, uh, but I had to learn as a husband. I learned to, to listen. And, when, and whenever, oh, can I just tell you, don't try to fix it. In that moment, don't try to fix it. it even if she gives you permission, don't go there. Because you're going to want to be saying the whole time in your mind, you say, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. I know. You don't know what to do because you better shut your mind off. Because <laughs> when you say, I would do this, she's going to say, you haven't been listening. I don't want you to fix it. Right? Marriage counseling right now. <laughs> but I had to learn. You're, you're learning all that. Oh, by the way, Thursday the 25th, I'm going to teach you how to pray for your wife. We're going to start a class, probably 10 weeks, something like that. Power of a Praying Husband. There's a few books over there. I see four. Four books over there. You can buy them today or you can buy it online. Guys, if you're married, be there. I'm going to help you. Thursday night, 7 to 8.30. Plug over. So what happens is you have to understand that the daily habits of your marriage and learning to not just be familiar with that person, but also see them. It's, it's like those two magnets, right, that have uh, polarity to them. And, and they constantly pull toward one another. If you turn one this way and it reject, rejects it, pushes it away. The, it's, it's the devotion, your practice, your habits of devotion should cause a magnetic pull on you and your spouse. But if you get out of those habits, what can happen is you're neglecting your devotion to your spouse. And when you do that, the feelings follow. We, I preached a couple weeks ago that it said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And so for some of you, I just described your marriage. And can I tell you why? You stop the habit of devotion. I sit with couples in my office and we have a premarital, they have the couch there to sit there in premarital counseling. And it's like, it's like there are two heads on one body when they come in for premarital counseling. They're like sitting on top of one another. And that's the way it looks. You know, they come in, I'm like, oh, they have not a clue. They have not a clue. And then what can happen is a couple years later, same couple, one's on one side and the other's on the other side. What happened? Same preacher, same office, same couch. What happened? Habits of devotion got neglected. Instead of turning toward one another and allowing that magnetism, instead of turning toward one another, they said, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta go to work, gotta work overtime, we got this house we gotta do, we wanna do this, we wanna do that, we wanna do the other thing. And can I tell you what happens? Uh, date nights get neglected, vacations get neglected. I'll sit down with, and talk to couples and we don't know why we're in this spot, Pastor Ken. We're not sure why. And I'll ask them, when was the last date night? Uh... When was the last vacation you took together? Uh, when was the last? And they can't remember. They can't remember. 
and they don't know why. But something's wrong. But nothing's wrong. It's something's not quite right. There's nobody sleeping around. There's nobody doing what they shouldn't be doing. They just haven't been doing what they should be doing. Is it worth chasing money so that you can get something you don't have and neglect what you do have? Is it really worth What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his whole family? Why do you do what you do anyway? Isn't it so that the two of you might share and enjoy something together? And God has given you that relationship, so don't neglect it. Devotion, be devoted to one another. Now let me talk about church, because the same principle applies. It's not long before people stop practicing the ministry of showing up. In other words, they're not showing up in their prayer closet. They're not showing up in the Word. They're not showing up for church. And after a while, say, oh, three weeks of that, four weeks of that, oh, I'm just not getting fed. And they'll leave a perfectly good church to go to some other place. And then they'll blame the church on the way out the door. They, I don't, they don't feed me there. They don't feed me there. No, we teach you to feed yourself. Now, I could, I, I, I do have the, the, the letters, I don't say this often, but I do have the letters DR next to my name, but it's, it's not the medical kind of doctor. So if you're having a heart attack, only call me if you want prayer. <laughs> if you want medical help, get somebody else. Call 911, right? But I'm a doctor of a church. And so I know the prescription for what makes us healthy. But I can't make you take the prescription. But no doctor if your physical body was failing, could make you take the prescription. They can know what's wrong. They can tell you what's wrong. I know exactly what your problem is. Write out, write out the script, hand it to you. And you walk out the door and you don't take the prescription. You'll never get well. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. How's your sense of awe today? Last week, baptism. Wasn't it off the chain? Wasn't that so amazing? Those of you that, uh, Steve Atkins was uh, the last guy to get baptized, and he comes to prayer on Saturday mornings at 7, and he was talking to us yesterday, and he said, I don't remember anything after I handed my glasses off. He said, because the Holy Spirit came on me. He said, I had such joy. He said, and, and everybody said, that, that guy was like, he's in his 60s, but he looked like a little kid. And, uh, you know, and, and, and what about Jackson, right? What about Jackson? That little, that little southern drawl said, I don't want anybody to go to hell. And, uh, yeah, what's that about? Can I tell you what that is? Can I tell you what that is, why that, why that causes an excitement in our spirit? All of us in those moments were taken back to the day when we were baptized. We were taken back, back to the moment. We were refreshed. That sense of awe was restored. Why? Because I can't, I'm, I'm 51, I can't go back and be 17, but I can relive it in this house as another 17-year-old, as a fam another family comes to the Lord, as they, as they experience what I experienced, guess what? Because I'm devoted to this fellowship, I get the refreshing that flows over into my life, and I get to see the same thing that got me excited, the same Jesus, the same fire, and I'm like, come on, don't ever lose that fire. Don't ever lose that fire. Don't ever lose that zeal. Be devoted. They devoted themselves. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning.
I'm going to ask those of you this morning, we're going to, if you're a regular person who prays at the altar, I'm going to ask you to come down. Uh, some of those are members of ELT. If you're in ministry at all, uh, I want you to come down. We're going to pray for people uh, this morning. Here's what I want to pray. I want to pray for an activation of gifts in this house this morning. I want us to pray over people that uh, that say, you know what, I don't know what my gift is, but I want to know what my gift is. I want to, I want to know what the Lord wants me to do. Step out and, uh, and come on down. Let's pray for you this morning. I believe God's going to activate something in you by the Holy Spirit. I've been sensing that all, all morning, that the Holy Spirit wants to give you clarity. He doesn't want you wandering around. We're not the blind leading the blind around here. The Holy Spirit imparts to us what it is that he wants imparted. He wants to release something. Come on, step out, step out, step out. Some of you have been in ministry before, and it's time to get back on the, get back on the horse and ride. We know in part and we prophesy in part. I know that about some of you, but I'm telling you prophetically this morning that some of you need to step back out and get involved. Sometimes our timing and God's timing, we'll say, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Holy Spirit's saying, you're ready. More, more than that, he's ready for you. He's ready for you. Step out. This morning, come on, if you need prayer for anything at all, anything that we mentioned earlier in those words of knowledge, anything that you're uh, uh, unsure about this week, you want prayer for anything at all, it doesn't matter. Uh, if, you, if you need Jesus to touch you, if you need Jesus to direct you, if you need help in your marriage, if you need help in your family, if you need help in your work, come on, step out from where you are. The, coming to the altar is a safe place here. Coming to the altar is, is, is the thing we do. This is what a life-giving body does. It comes regularly to the... To to the altar and says, Lord, I need your direction. I need your touch. I need your guidance. This is healthy. This is maturity. This doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're in deep sin. It just means you want to get connected with what the Lord wants you to do, okay? So just step out from where you are. Where you are. Let's believe God together with these here today. Come on, stretch your hand this way right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for an activation of your gifts all over this place, Lord God. Release a love word, a joy word, a peace word. Release a prophetic word right now at this altar in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to hear what you want uh, spoken this morning in Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now that you would draw people to yourself. Jesus, you have been exalted during our time together. And I pray right now, Lord God, that there would be a releasing in this house, a releasing of what you want to do. In Jesus' name, Lord, stir up the gifts right now. Father, there are those here who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray right now that you would release an anointing in this house for them to be filled with your spirit, God. Empower your people, God, right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Go after God. Come on. Devote yourself to it. Lift your voice. Call on the Lord right now. Call on the Lord. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Yeah. 
Bow down, bow down, be 
celebrate that this morning too. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Send it to them as a text. Hey, the Holy Spirit said this, and I'm going to do this with it. Just because we're alive doesn't mean we always improve. But it's God's plan for us to improve, right? Just a little bit. Just 1%. If, that, if you follow through on that one thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to you today, and you, and you get it into your life, it's a mark of your devotion to God a mark of your devotion to God, and he will reward you based on that. Amen. Father, bless your people. Thank you for the beauty of your presence today. Thank you for the love that I sensed in this room, one for another. Thank you for the care that we have, one for another, how we care deeply. So, Lord, I pray that you bless your people as we go. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for walking with us to walk it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're a guest with us, please stop by Inside Lighthouse. We like to practice some hospitality with you, put a gift in your hand. Thank you so much for being here today. There's a greeters meeting at 1145 about to take place. God bless you. Have a great day.